Hi everyone, it's John and Ben. And welcome back to Santa by the Minute, the podcast where Ben and I talk about 1985's Santa Claus the Movie. One minute at a time. And Ben, what minute are we talking about this week? We are talking about Minute 78. This is a very packed minute. It's going to be a lot of fun. Let's dive right into it. It's going to be a good minute, and next minute's going to be a good minute. So you're going to want to come back next week, too. And getting us right into the spirit of this minute, the very first thing we hear is Joe shouting, Yo! The real reindeer start moving while Santa enthusiastically yells, I don't think Santa says all the reindeer names in the, the traditional Santa way at any point in this movie. He no. doesn't do the on Dasher, on Dancer, on Prancer. No, he's he still playing favorites all these years later with Donner and Blitzen. <laughs> I know they're the only ones that get their names said. The rest of them forget about it. All right, everybody else, Donner, Blitzen, go boys, <laughs> and the rest of you, do your thing, whatever. I mean, they are the lead reindeer. So the minute they start running, the rest of them will start going too. So next, Santa makes some noises. At first, I thought he was saying like, go, 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 or ho, ho, ho. And it's neither one of those. I've listened to it over and over again. And I can't decipher what Santa is saying. What do you think Santa is saying in that spot? It sounds like he's saying, hey, 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 after he says, all right, everybody. It sounds like he's saying, hey, hey, hey. And then he says, here we go. And then he does like a ha, 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 and then a ho, ho, ho. At least that's what I wrote down in my notes. Yeah, it sounds like he goes, ha, 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 ho, ho, ho. <laughs> well, it's nice to see Santa happy for a couple minutes. Yeah, because uh, just as a little bit of a heads up, next minute is going to be a downer. <laughs> he, he reverts back to Mopey Santa. Uh, way beyond Mopey Santa. And we get another nice close-up look at that miniature sleigh. It is now cut from the real reindeer starting to move. And then when the sleigh takes off, we're getting a nice close-up look at the miniature sleigh and little animatronic doll Santa moving his arms up and down. And the little puppet reindeer moving their feet mm -hmm. it's, the cut it's so, between the two is amazing yeah it's so seamless even though now when you look at it closer like this like oh that's the toy animatronic baby sleigh taking yeah. off into the air the sleigh flies off leaving a trail of stardust and then we cut to a shot of new york city at dawn on christmas morning december 25th 1984 so ben write that down in the timeline we mm -hmm. got another bullet point and in just a couple seconds we'll have an exact time to write down in the timeline yeah i think i already had this on the timeline because this was one of those you know set points yeah i already had it so we got it already marked down it's a very pretty shot of uh, the city skyline there. Next we see Cornelia sitting on the floor of her living room playing her brand new toy piano that Santa got her for Christmas. And now we get to talk about the toy piano. She is way too old for this toy piano. Our son is seven and if he asked for a toy piano, I'd, we'd be going like, aren't you a little old for this little <laughs> tiny? I mean, we would get it for him. Oh yeah, but... <laughs> But uh, in our minds and to each other, we'd be like, what does he want a toy piano for? 
And, but, and I could cut I could cut our son a little slack, but here Cornelia is at least ten years old, and if she really wanted piano lessons, I'm sure BZ would spring for them. Well, actually, see right oh, here in the oh. book, it says that she had asked for a piano, and Miss Tucker had steadfastly refused to buy one for her, calling it a noise nuisance. So the next best thing for Cornelia was this toy piano because okay. she wanted a piano. But Miss Tucker was like, uh-uh, I'm not dealing with that racket. And then Cornelia was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to ask Santa. And Santa got it for her. You would think Miss Tucker would suggest, how about piano lessons instead? You can go over to some other old British nanny <laughs> friend of mine and take piano <laughs> lessons. Well, probably because they would make her practice when she wasn't at piano lessons. And, and I can kind of see where Miss Tucker is coming from, because if Cornelia is going to play a real piano, like she's playing this toy piano, <laughs> I guess it might be a noise nuisance, because Cornelia is not playing any song or melody whatsoever. It's just like those little toy keys yeah. banging. So but, in, the, in the book, hold on, in the book, she's supposed to be playing Jingle Bells. That does not sound like Jingle Bells. No, that's what, she, that's what she's supposedly playing in the book version. Now we do have a little audio here of our interview almost a year ago now mm -hmm. with us and Carrie Kayheim. And one of her biggest frustrations was she was not able to show off her toy piano skills in this very minute. <laughs> We'll let her tell you all about this. I'm personally a little annoyed by that scene because I taught myself to play Oh Christmas Tree on that little toy piano. And that's what I was actually playing. And then they put in that like eight tonal, like bonk, bonk, bonk. Cornelia, she must be like 10 or 11 years old here. Like you think she'd be a little old for this little rinky dink Well, plus my mom piano. was also like, how are there not like 17 grand pianos in <laughs> this rich man, so just on principle, you'd think. Um, but we we collectively behind the scenes decided that um, she was determined to be appreciative of the small things rather than take advantage of anything from the step uncle. So that's why she needed her own appropriate for a five-year-old piano. <laughs> just so, so, so cute, just sitting there on the floor trying to hit this. <laughs> Like between, like by the time the takes were finished, I was playing it flawlessly. I like taught myself while, while filming how to play an actual Christmas carol and nothing, nothing they took oh, it out. Oh man. I did have Jingle Bells with a question mark written in my notes, but then the more she keeps playing, it's like, this is no rhyme or reason to what she's playing. It's just noise. It's like, dink, 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 dink. Well, it sounds like she started to play jingle bells it was like do 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 but then uh miss tucker interrupted her asking about the puce pop yes miss tucker is holding the patch puce pop towards cornelia asking but don't you want to try it i certainly do not miss tucker sits down and starts unwrapping the puce pop and says well it would be a shame to let it go to waste at this point cornelia isn't even playing a song no Ben, what time does it say on the clock? I can't decipher it on my screen. But um, you can have an exact time in your timeline of when Miss Tucker consumed the Puce Pop on Christmas. So it looks like it says 
10.45 a.m. I do have a note here saying the tree is even more terrifying in the daylight. <laughs> it is, especially when you can see it so close behind Cornelia's face, you know, where it's like an up-close shot of her and the tree, and it's like, I'd be afraid that thing is going to swallow me whole. It's like we've seen enough horror movies. There's probably a giant spider living in that tree, and there's probably, like, some former nanny or something. Do you mind if I take it? I don't care. Giving Miss Tucker the attitude, a little snarky. This is where the book picks up, and I need to read to you how the author of the book describes poor Miss Tucker. Oh, no. Now, Now, I know that nannies are usually portrayed as, like, kind of like an a new like a nuisance kind of not really a bad guy in the movies but they're kind of like a pain to the kids right well miss tucker no matter how strict she is does not deserve this description oh that no the I, I i already feel sorry for miss tucker and you haven't even read anything yet okay you ready miss tucker unwrapped the present with eager fingers revealing the glittering puce lollipop within Never a delicate eater, as her size and girth amply demonstrated. She pulled the whole lollipop from the stick in one bite and crunched it up with her strong, horse-like teeth licking her lips. And then the magic began to happen with a vengeance. Like a hot air balloon in the Macy's parade, Miss Tucker began to drift up from the floor. Woo! she gasped clenching her head in astonishment. She hovered in the middle of the room, halfway between the floor and the high ornamental ceiling, the Goodyear blimp incarnate. Oh my god! Comparing (laughs) Miss Tucker to both a Macy's balloon and the Goodyear blimp? Uh Uh-huh. That author really had it in for Miss Tucker. Miss Tucker is not a big woman. No! At all. And even if she was, she did not deserve that type of a description. So we do see Miss Tucker take a fairly large bite out of this lollipop. Yeah. But she doesn't crunch it up with her horse-like teeth. Because it looks very gelatinous, like a gummy. It does. See, the the thing is, in the book, it also describes the puce pop, which I'll, I'll do in a minute. Um, and it doesn't describe it the same way as the way she eats it. So I think there was a discrepancy there. And if you listen close enough, you can hear her kind of like smacking it. Like, that sort yeah, of noise. Yeah, if you it's not don't crunch, like... Crunch, crunch, If you don't like the sound of people eating, you are not going to like that part of the movie. Because it is um, quite juicy. Mm. Yeah, it's not like the how many licks to get to the center of the Tootsie Pop. Crunch. No. <laughs> Miss Tucker starts levitating out of her chair. And this is something we also asked Carrie about. We didn't know how this effect was pulled off. Yeah, she's taking the bite out of that pop. Yes. Did they hoist her up in the living room? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. The wire system was in place. She went flying. So in that scene, when the nanny takes a bite out of that puce pop, that does not look like a lollipop. It looks like it's gelatin or something. Do you have any memories of that? And did you get to taste one? I never tasted one. I never tasted one and I can't even remember what, yeah, I can't remember if she said what it tasted like. I think they got sort of like a weird cherry flavor going on with it, if I recall correctly. Um, I do remember it, 
it like falling apart, but they kind of made that work in the scene. And I thought that was kind of awesome. It, it was definitely a missed opportunity that these things weren't mass produced as a tie-in with the movie, you know, selling them at gas stations and stuff. I, I think there may very well have been plans to, there are plans to sell everything at some point. It's just a matter of what went through and what didn't. <laughs> yeah, the packaging that they had for it was perfect. I mean, it would have been, it would have fit on a shelf wonderfully. Right. You know? But a little elf maid sticker in the corner. I know. Yeah, with a very small disclaimer, it does not actually make you fly right on the bottom. <laughs> mm -hmm. Now, when Miss Tucker starts levitating, we hear it in a future minute, probably next week we'll hear it too. Now, do you think it's just like movie sound effects or do you think when you take a bite out of the pop and you start taking off off the ground, start floating around, in real life, do you think it starts making the noise as you start lifting up? Because it happens to no. the basket. It happens to the basketball kid too, so that we see in just a couple seconds. So I have to assume that's what noise it makes when you start taking off. <laughs> no, I don't believe that there's a, a, a sound in real life. I think that that is just a sound effect that uh, they love in this movie. You hear this noise a lot in this movie between all of the people flying during this lollipop scene. And you also hear that noise back at Santa's workshop quite a bit. So I think it's just a noise that they like. Oh, look at me. I feel just like Mary Poppins. <laughs> no, it says, Cornelius stared in open disbelief as Miss Tucker began to flap her arms like wings, scooting across the room like a hen trying to stay a airborne <laughs> but she doesn't do that in the movie no she moves a little more gracefully she's not like flapping yeah. around wildly she's like kind of do, like doing the you know uh, the, like the broadway peter pan yeah you know when they hoist yeah whoever that actress was around the stage so we can't let a reference to mary poppins every task you undertake becomes a piece of cake a lark a spree it's very clear to see. Go by without taking a side tangent. Are you ready? <laughs> I'm ready. So, of course, of course, Mary Poppins, in case you didn't know, was the magical nanny from the book series by P.L. Travers, the first of which was published in 1934. And until I was looking it up on Wikipedia, I didn't know Travers had put out a Mary Poppins book as late as 1988. The film by Walt Disney with some of our favorites, uh, Dick Van Dyke, of course, and Julie mm -hmm. Andrews as Mary Poppins. That came out in 1964. That's probably the Mary Poppins everyone is familiar with. I don't know anyone who's ever read an actual Mary Poppins book, do you? I don't think so. I mean, <laughs> they could have, you know, like our parents' generation, they could have read the books. And more recently, Emily Blunt starred as Mary Poppins in the 2018 sequel, Mary Poppins Returns, which we still haven't seen yet. No. We're going to have to fire up the Disney Plus one of these nights and watch <laughs> Mary Poppins Returns. P.L. Travers, the author, famously hated the Disney movie. And of course, Disney themselves made that made that very Disney-fied version of events. 
for in Saving Mr. Banks. Remember that movie with Tom Hanks as Walt Disney? Yes, I do. I liked that movie, actually. Yeah, Disney kind of uh, took some liberties with the events. I, I have this little, little trivia tidbit. I saved it on my notepad here on the desktop. Let me read this to you. During the premiere... Travers covered her face, rolled her eyes, and wept. And it says, Travers did weep during the film, and she later wrote, Tears ran on my cheeks because it was all so distorted. I was so shocked that I felt I would never write, let alone smile again. Remember at the end of the Disney movie Saving Mr. Banks, she's in tears, but it's because she's remembering the good times with her dad and won over by that Disney magic. <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, it wouldn't really look very good for Disney if it went the way it did in real life. (laughs) At the end of the film, she immediately went up to Walt Disney and demanded the entire Jolly Holiday animation segment to be cut out completely. Walt responded, Pamela, that ship has sailed. And they never talked or spoke to each other again. You know, I hate to say it, but it doesn't surprise me. (laughs) I mean, I think the Jolly Holiday thing was one of my favorites. (laughs) entire movie but um you know i'm sorry pamela but it was good the way it was all right so yeah if this movie had been more popular can you imagine like after john lithgow passes on if the sulkins or whoever in the sulkin empire controlled this movie made saving bz and john lithgow's like weeping at how beautiful his performance is and saying it's the greatest movie ever when you know he couldn't stand it (laughs) yes exactly (laughs) Now I have to I have to assume that in this universe Mary Poppins is a book or movie character and not a real flying nanny. What would yes, you say? I would think so. I know we are in a universe where Santa Claus is existing and flying around the skies. I didn't know right. if maybe nannies <laughs> believed in a real Mary Poppins who exists and is flying around because we've also established that fairies exist in this movie right. universe. So Yeah. I didn't think it was too far of a stretch to say that Mary Poppins also existed as a real character. Mm-hmm. But you think it, she's referring to the book? I would imagine, yes. Mm-hmm. I wonder if Miss Miss Tucker enjoyed the Disney movie or only read the books. I probably only read the books. And we finally see it in all its glory, the movie prop that I would I would love to hang in our living room. That beautiful painting. That portrait of BZ hanging over the mantle. We finally get to yep. see it in all its glory as Miss Tucker is floating gracefully around the living room. Yes, um, we would definitely love to have that. Uh, we would put that in a spot of honor and everyone would come into our house and go, who's that? <laughs> and we're like, oh, well, that is, that's Uncle BZ. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that painting exists, and I hope John Lithgow has it hung someplace. He has it in his basement in storage. <laughs> no, like, I don't no. want that thing. No, I want him to have a giant picture of himself <laughs> smoking a cigar. <laughs> that that he's just conveniently room. forgotten it's from a movie that yeah, he doesn't yeah. like. Cornelia is very amused at the sight of Miss Tucker floating around. She covers her mouth in glee, and then in a close-up is looking up at, at the ceiling laughing. And do you notice she does not have her retainer? Oh, I didn't notice that, but I should have because we had, we, we talked about that earlier. Yeah, because it signifies it's a year later that she does not need her retainer anymore. And since this is during the day and things are more well lit in this living room, we do get a better look at a few of those ornaments on the horror tree. Yeah, I have written that, down... like a silver dog sitting on... 
Uh, yeah, I have Our disco ball. <laughs> I, I see a swan, and I wrote off-brand Snoopy. <laughs> I don't think that's supposed to be a Snoopy. <laughs> no, it looks more like a little pug dog of some sort. Yeah, the more strange. I look at it. Like, I think we had made a reference to that earlier where we thought it was like an astronaut dog. <laughs> yeah, I think we have, because I know we've seen the disco ball before. And, you know, these are all the same exact decorations that were on this tree last year. Just the tree is on the other side of the living room. Before we move on to the next scene, the so in the book, it's a little bit hard to follow because 78 and 79 are entangled together in the book. It's not in the same exact order. Okay. So some of the lollipop scenes in the movie are on minute 79, but in the book they're in minute 78. So I kind of have to go back and forth. But I want to read a little segment here that explains the lollipop in uh, detail. You know, because we haven't really gotten an explanation of what it tastes like or anything like that in the movie. So I wanted to go through this real quick, but just note that this part of the book that I'm going to be reading is actually about the little boy in minute 79 who steals a cookie. So it's this kid. Okay. So tearing the paper from the box, he opened it and looked inside. A small puce-colored lollipop waited there as promised. It was the most wonderful lollipop he had ever seen, for it seemed to glow all by itself like the lights on the tree. At its center was a single tiny grain of stardust, the magical dust that was meant to enchant the feed of Santa's own reindeer. The excited tot put the lollipop into his mouth and began to suck on it. It had a bland, sweet flavor that tasted vaguely like bubblegum and vaguely like cherry, but not exactly like anything at all. A taste designed to appeal to children everywhere. That is super interesting. I I never knew what the flavor was supposed to be, and now we know that each pop only has a single grain of stardust. I would think that would be very hard to do. Yeah, it would be like trying to put like a single grain of sand into something. Yeah, like a little piece of, one piece of glitter into the middle of each lollipop. Holy moly. So before we cut to the basketball court, I do have to wonder, did Patch have to deliver a puce pop to Cornelia? You would think BZ would be able to bring home like a full case of them or something. (laughs) Yeah, but I don't think Patch knew where Cornelia lived. Yeah, that's true. We were talking about that in a previous minute. He was just peering in everyone's windows to see if maybe a kid lived there. Right. (laughs) That's what we're thinking happened. (laughs) Next, at an outdoor basketball court, we see two men playing basketball. A young boy is off on the sidelines, standing, eating his puce pop while he is watching this basketball game going. It's like a one-on-one between these two guys. I did originally have teens written down, but one of these guys clearly has a beard, so I had to change my notes. So it's two men. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I thought they were like, oh, these are the big kids. It's like, whoa, that's a a really old kid. (laughs) That's a big kid, all right. (laughs) (laughs) One of the basketball players knocks the ball out of bounds towards the kid. The kid gets a hold of the ball and starts running on the court. He starts dribbling the ball, jumps into the air. That's where our minute ends. But 
that's not where our episode ends because the walls of this basketball court are covered in the most uh, hilarious G yeah, <laughs> rated graffiti we've ever seen. And some of them are, some of this graffiti is actual markers for the set. Really? So there, there are markers here. And there are three that I know of that I will show to you or explain to you for those of you listening. <laughs> if you see the shot when it first opens up and you see the little kid standing behind the guy with the red shirt and the gray tank top over it. Okay. All right. On the far right hand side of the screen, you see those two boys standing there watching what's going on. Okay. Right above their head, it says, don't cross. This is the end of the scene line right here. There's nobody after that on this whole course. Like this was the end of the shot. And then on the left hand side of the screen, all the way over here, you see an NG with a P and an arrow going down. Oh, the going up. Yep, so that's the mark that's, where th that the kid had to uh -huh. hit yeah. when he jumped with the basketball. Yep. Because if you look closer when he's actually jumping, like if you scroll ahead and you see where his foot leaves the ground, it lines up with the going up arrow. Wow, I never noticed that before. And then there's one more. And you see the boy standing there against the wall holding his lollipop. Okay. Right above his head, it says, mark the spot with the M all red. And that little boy has to stand right where the bright red M for mark the spot is. Okay, I do see that now. Yes. Yeah. So there are three scene markers for everybody to know what's going on and where. And they made it to blend in with the graffiti. That's pretty yep. clever. And then I like some of the signs that they have on here. Like at the very top, it says, beat Marty. I did notice that very, very nice cursive handwriting. Yep. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Okay, so let's let's go through some of these. Did you have any of them written down? I have a couple written down. I had, um, there's also High Hopes, which was um, close to the top of the screen. Now, that could be taken many a ways, but I'm going to assume in this particular one is talking about how this little boy wants to play with these with the with these guys and then he gets his lollipop and he can finally go high enough to do that um then there's smucker's delight <laughs> or smacker's delight yeah, i can't I tell if it's a u or an a was it smucker's like the jelly or yeah that's what smacker's I thought. delight i think it might be an a um, i see kurt manor i i'm gonna yeah. i want to google that to see if it means anything yeah there's a couple that I wanted to, I, I was Googling a lot and uh, I want to know what Mark 7-7 means. I don't know because it's seven with a circle, Mark, and then seven with a circle. Then it looks like it's just a whole bunch of people that signed their names. Like I'm going to assume they're like probably set people, you know? Yeah, there's we like have Cliff. like just Yeah. And then like, it looks like maybe just nicknames of people who work on the set. Uh, I see Yowza right behind yeah. the kid <laughs> yeah graffiti in real new york city i'm sure it's a little more explicit yeah you you would not be showing it in a kid's movie <laughs> <laughs> there's taffy madras yeah does any of this mean anything i'm trying i'm typing it into google let's see no it just seems to be all nonsense it must have meant somebody to 
yeah. something. I'm I'm thinking that a lot of this is like inside joke stuff, you know, that they just put up there because it'd be funny. Yeah, it's like just write anything on the wall as long as it's not profane. <laughs> it doesn't look like a part of the male anatomy. <laughs> right, exactly. There's it's not plenty like F you the... on the wall. <laughs> There's a lot on the back wall too, but it's a lot harder to make out. I, but we got Toto. Oh, no... oh there, here's here's another one that ties in with Beat Marty. It says yeah. Marty is Lord. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. We have Marty is Lord. We have Shark. Have a nice ch. I don't know. <laughs> and there's Heidi's War Boys. I looked that up, and I in it. It's a. Um, I don't know if it's a if it was real because this doesn't actually say Heidi. This says Hetty. It doesn't have an I for Heidi. So Heidi's War Boys is like an actual thing, but Hetty's War Boys is not. <laughs> And I see, you know, close to the Don't Cross guys, there's Spider Jiver. We have Sneaky. We have Kaz. It's like you see something new the more you look at it. I'm sure yeah. it's riveting to the listener. If anybody needs some Twitter handles, you know, just look in the background <laughs> of this scene. You, yeah. could be, <laughs> you could be Taffy Madras or Spider Jiver. Or Chico Jatez. <laughs> I don't know what letter that is. <laughs> Heidi's War Boys. <laughs> Sneaky Kaz. Yeah. Uh, Marty so is funny. Lord. <laughs> there are, there's more in minute 79. There's another wall of graffiti. Well, I can't um, wait. I can't wait till next week. Yeah. We have kids. What does that say? Cool kids. Cool kids. I could just, I, I was looking at this for probably an hour before we started recording and i'm still seeing stuff that i didn't notice before i'm so mesmerized now by all the graffiti that i i didn't even notice what the other two guys way in the background are oh. doing. one guy's like <laughs> bent over facing another guy maybe next minute we'll see what's going on with those two he's yeah like i'm gonna, i think maybe they dropped something yeah that's what i was thinking too like are they looking for something they don't seem to be paying attention to the other two guys playing b-ball. No, I don't know what they're doing. It looks like they're just bored. <laughs> they're like hanging out in the background like... I know next week is going to be a big minute too. We have some spinning newspaper headlines that we have to look into. Mm -hmm. We usually do these things back to back, but once I saw how much was in the next minute as well, <laughs> I was like, okay, well, I gotta take a... Gotta take a week to look into this one. <laughs> and I have for next week you guys i have a full scene of santa claus that is not in the movie it's not referenced in the movie nothing stay tuned for that that's gonna be awesome yeah that's a big tease and, and this is stuff that john does not know exists no. i've oh. told him that there was a missing scene but he knows nothing about it now that was quite the tease i, I was just skimming <laughs> through the next minute and i was like oh man there is there is a lot happening mm -hmm. i can't wait these next few minutes in the home stretch of the movie are just jam-packed. Yeah. This is what we were looking forward to. It's going to be sad when it's all over, but we're, we're having fun right now. Yeah, this is like the last 20 minutes of this movie are just crazy. It's going to be fun for the podcast, for sure. So if you have anything to add to this minute or anything Santa Claus, the movie related, be sure to send us an email, santabytheminute at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Santa Minute. Ben and I post a brand new episode each and every Wednesday. And as always, you can listen to any of those episodes. For free!